welcome back to the Becoming More podcast, episode number 16. Before we get started, I want to ask you all to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Here in Becoming More, we go in-depth talking to some amazing people about how they've changed their lives dramatically and have inspired others to work towards the same. Today, I am joined by John Arpino. John, how are you doing today? What's up, brother? How are we? I'm good, good. It's a beautiful day here in uh, sunny Maryland with oh, yeah. everywhere because it's <laughs> June. All yeah, right. it's, a, it's a hot one up here today, bro. It's like yeah. ni- it's like 92 degrees up here. Yeah, it's going to be in the 90s here as well. Um, very hot. And I today's the day I decided to go to a, like an outdoor thing. So I'll be sweating my ass off. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, um, John, to start every episode, I like to ask each guest, what is the bottom line of your journey? Because John said so. Um, the bottom line of my journey, simply put, is you could do anything that you set your mind to, but you have to totally believe that you're capable of doing anything. So the minute that you stop believing in yourself is the minute you stop progressing. So constantly and always believe in yourself to the truest potential that you have. Because John said so. Because John said so. Yeah. Uh, All right, cool. Um, So I usually like to say like how we know each other. Um, I think we met in the last year. Brett tried to pick me up in a bar once. That's how we know each other. I, I, I did. I did. You know, it was, it was a little hard. <laughs> he physically tried to pick me up in a bar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to, to just, just, you know, I tried to do it when you're 510 pounds. Yeah. You know, uh, no, uh, yeah, we met on accountable life group because of, because of that. Um, I, I actually followed you. I, yeah, uh, no, I, I, don't, I, don't I followed I, you yeah. a while ago before that, but, but then it was like, you know, really got to know each other through that right. going, doing your calls and stuff. So before we get any further, why don't you talk about kind of a life group a little bit so that way you can get it in and we don't wait till the end and and when nobody oh, oh get, get your sh- get your shit in pal get, 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 get your, your shit in pal yeah <laughs> um so the accountable life group started um about a year ago a little over a year now basically my partner David and I uh, fit underscore D Rock um, we did a podcast together we liked each other's vibes so much that we figured we joined forces like the Mega Powers and um basically create a community off of you know instagram off of facebook you know your your standard social media to bring people with like-minded goals together to kind of lean on each other help each other out and kind of push each other forward um you know we have a a podcast which you all can listen to the the accountable life group podcast comes out every friday uh cheap pop and um yeah i mean it's been awesome dude like when we when we really put our mind to it i did not think that it would grow to as big as it has um accountable life group.com has over 250 active members every single day um and we have almost 60 podcast episodes we do like i said we do one a week and it's been it's been a lot of fun it's been extremely cathartic um and i just love to see the progression in everyone in this community and if i could be a small little bit of pit, excuse me little bit of a piece of a reason why they progress forward a little bit then you know my job is done so that's that's you know the uh just an overview of the accountable life group awesome and yeah uh, definitely check it out cuz i've been part of it and well a, a little busier these days with a yeah, uh, you know. child so i'm not on it as often but it's good, a good time it's a good community yeah right? it's a good vibe yeah. Um, all right. So now going back, uh, I like to start where like kind of how we all started in childhood. I don't like to focus on it too much, but, you know, just kind of get an idea of where you were at and how you progressed to the point where you needed to right. make a change. 
Um, so would you say you're like heavy growing up? Oh, I was, I was heavy from as long back as I can remember, man. Um, I was an obese child. I was an obese, obese, uh, you know, teenager, young adult, uh, obese adult. Um, I don't really have any real memories of me not being an overweight kid and struggling with my weight or being made fun of because of my weight. Um, it was just always a thing, you know, um, I really, I was an athletic kid. I played, you know, one season of peewee football. Then it was too much for my asthma. I couldn't keep up with the kids. I played T-ball for a couple of seasons and then that was really it. And then, um, you know, when I got into middle school, uh, I, my asthma and, uh, my weight had become such a problem that the school literally took me out of gym class. And instead of doing, you know, regular PE, I was put on like a medical leave. So like if you used to like break a bone in high school and you could do PE, they like make you do book reports instead. So I was just constantly doing book reports on different athletes, different professional wrestlers, just whatever. And doing these stupid quizzes in the library while everyone else was playing field hockey, basketball, whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was really my childhood. My childhood was really just spent hanging out with the adults at the, at the kid parties. Um, watching a lot of wrestling uh, and being cooped away in my room because there was really nothing for me to do outside. And my asthma and allergies were so bad that, you know, I kind of put myself in a bubble. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so cause your asthma and allergies were so bad cause like you couldn't like run, like yeah. it, it would just, you, you'd have the attacks, right? Yeah. I would have yeah. an attack, you know, my breathing would just become uncontrollable and then I would end up in the hospital for, you know, two weeks of a clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a friend when I was growing up uh, like third to sixth grade before he moved away um he had it really bad like that like where he couldn't do anything although he was skinny as fuck <laughs> like he was, yeah he was skinny as shit and uh but but, but he because so he always had like the night like he had the most uh, this is the early to mid 90s he had the most modern computer he was like uh, was the first person with like, oh yeah with, like uh 56k modem which was a big thing back then which you probably don't know but uh yeah you're you're, you're yeah. like you're like high speed all, all the way yeah, um 56k was like awesome like waiting for uh, when I was in high school, I used to do web, some web design for money, uh, like because nobody knew how to do it really. And I used, I remember like the one time I was trying to like load this picture, and it was this picture from '98 wrestling. It was like X Kane choke slamming X Pac. Yeah, it was like just a still image that was like, you know, as big as a Zoom window, and it took like four minutes to load. Wow. On a slow on a slow connection, just a picture. Imagine a yeah. video, imagine the video of that. Uh, but but yeah, so. Internet was a different era, bro. Internet was a different era. <laughs> you know, I, I remember the first time finally finding um, WrestlingObserver.com and they had like the uh, whole list of like wrestlers, real names, but it would take nine hours for it to load. <laughs> and you'd be sitting there with your best buddy like, oh, my God, the bar moved. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, or the biggest the biggest one for a while, because I was like, that's a huge cane mark. I don't know why for a while. And he was like in his like in the oh, yeah. prime, right? The first year in that. And he like just just trying to get pictures that like you used to find somebody would have a picture of him without the mask on yes or like and usually it was just like they had the towel over so he barely even saw his face at all yep, yep but, but yep. it was just like stuff like that it was it, it, it was a much different animal then right and so, now now he's so a freaking now he's a freaking mayor so now he's the mayor of knoxville life, life changes a lot and congratulations glenn <laughs> um so so we talked about like you're growing up and then at some point, like, obviously you got to a point where you couldn't do it anymore. Right. right. Being that size. So how did you get to that point? How did I get to, to, to what, what happened when you got to the point where you know you needed to change or you knew where you, or you decided to start to change? Well, uh, see, so that, that's, that's a crazy, um, that's a crazy question. So um, if I could just take it back, like a, a step, 
you know, a little step further back. Um, so, I, you know, growing up, I did the diets. You know, I did all the Fed diets. I, you know, I did South Beach diet. I did Weight Watchers. I did um, Nutrisystem. Um, you know, I, I you know, I kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. And no matter what, nothing was working. Uh, so back to what I was saying earlier, um, I had really, you know, really bad asthma. So they would put me on this drug called prednisone. And what would happen with prednisone is prednisone would either stunt your growth or make you gain weight. So my classic line was, um, you know, I'm six foot five. It didn't stunt my growth, but I got up to, you know, well over 510 pounds. Um, so what made life extremely difficult was no matter like how much weight that I would lose, as soon as I would have another attack, you know, I'd be put back on this drug and whatever weight I had taken off would literally automatically be put back on. Like I'm talking full moon face all the time, 365 days a year, constantly sweating, um, just big and irritable and constantly hungry for no reason, because that was the side effect of this drug. This drug just constantly made you hungry. Um, so like I was a bottomless pit, you know, I have very vivid memories of me arguing with my parents as to why five slices of pizza was not okay and acceptable. Um, you know, at 13 years old, like you can't do that. And I would just, you know, I'd fight and scream and cry, you know? Um, but what really was the, um, the turning point for me, um, so my journey, um, my journey took a turn. I kind of really got kickstarted in October of 2015. Um, you know, I had lost my grandmother February of that year, and I had gone into a really dark depression. So I put on a ton of weight between February and October, just like a, a, a huge amount of weight. And um, I don't know if you remember, you definitely remember. Uh, that was the year that the Mets kind of did amazing, you know, went to that World Series thing and whatnot. But, you know, we'll get to that in a second. So, um, so... Uh, so I put on a ton of weight um, And I remember The Mets were in the playoffs They were playing the Dodgers um, This is the fuck Chase Utley game I'm sorry, I don't even know if I can curse on here So I apologize, but uh, I did it anyway you, you, you can, but I like to say it, make it count Okay, well, there you go So it was that game uh, Alright, and uh, I was getting ready to watch the playoffs With my dad And I had like a cold at the time And, you know being sick and having a cold was like really dangerous for me back then because that just meant an asthma attack was right around the corner. Um, so I decided to put a little bit of Vicks Vapor Rub on my chest, which I've done a bajillion times before that. It's nothing new. Um, and then when I did that, all of a sudden my lungs just locked up like boom, just I was done. Um, I remember my dad was like walking past the doorway of my room because we were getting ready to go watch the game. And I just could make out the words call an ambulance and that's really just like the most like the most of the vivid memory from that and then you know I, I remember going into my living room I couldn't breathe I stopped breathing and there was like a second there where I like looked into the mirror in my living room and I'm like you did it like you you effed up like you're, you're about to die in front of everybody in your house right now like way to go buddy like you're 22 years old your life is over <clears throat> so I'm sitting there struggling to breathe, waiting for an ambulance to come and uh, paramedics show up. And lo and behold, no one on the scene is ALS certified. So if you don't know what ALS certification is, they couldn't administer epinephrine. Epinephrine is a pure shot of adrenaline and EpiPen. And it would have gotten me stable enough for them to, you know, get me to a hospital and whatever, whatever. So 
they put me on a stretcher and mind you a stretcher when you're 510 pounds is not a stretcher it's a chair um it's just a big old yellow chair <laughs> so they put me onto this yellow chair and they're trying to like squeeze me out of my front door which was probably a comedy act within itself and um i'm passing by a paramedic and i just remember this dude looks down at me and he goes i'm so sorry and at that point i was like yep you're done you're dead like way to go so they put me in the back of this ambulance and i'm floating in and out of consciousness and i'm staring at this clock on the doorway of the of the ambulance and i'm just praying to god and praying to everybody out there and i'm just like you know please just give me one more chance you know if you do this i'll make it up like please 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 like i don't want to die um about an hour and a half later two hours later i woke up on a bipap in the uh, icu in a local hospital by my house and uh you know at that point i was like okay um you got to shit or get off the pot like it's it's time um and then i uh and then i guess really my journey started on that day well yeah that's i mean i've heard that story before but it's it's always impressive to hear because it's thanks pal it's uh it's a pretty cut and dry story definitely it's definitely uh it's definitely impactful um and and i will say that you know you spoke about the stretcher because i'm i was on a stretcher at 600 pounds because they had to move me from one hospital to another in baltimore was it was it the big yellow chair no, it was an actual stretcher. Oh, really? For, for like a morbidly obese person. Oh, okay. And, and, and then it's always fun when there's like eight people coming to get you. Yes. There's like, because they have to they, send in the Calvary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and mine was on New Year's Eve in the New Year's Day. Oh, like nice. when I was in the hospital. And like just the, just you never want to be in a hospital on New Year's Eve. Ever. No, they got the best in, guys in a working. big city. Yeah. yeah. Best guys. And then you got the best, the best people coming in. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so this was, you know, you said 2015 when you had this happen and the Mets, unfortunately, did not win the World Series. They did not. No, no. Uh, I mean, fortunately, in my opinion, but, you know, not for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so after that, you know, you what, what, what how did you progress then to make because you, you can't you woke up like how, how did you decide to attack this? So um, that's a story uh, that takes me to a really crazy place. So um at that point, I knew I had to do something. It was just a matter of, well, what can I do with this size? And what can I do um, because of this asthma? Because that was really the deciding factor of whether this was going to work or not, right? Because I couldn't do much of anything exertive without having an asthma attack. And with having an asthma attack, getting put back on the prednisone, you know, it's a nasty cycle that I couldn't break. Um so my doctor had uh, recommended me going to this uh, pulmonary rehab facility. And this was like, this was a place for like older folks who had just had uh, car crashes, you know, just suffer from a stroke, heart attack, whatever. They would go there, kind of get their life a little bit back together so they could be, um, you know, released into the free world, if you will. Like, you know, like kind of just getting them back on track. Mm-hmm. So this was literally in the top of an office building. Um and it was uh, a stationary bike, three treadmills, a couple of little like circuit training things and resistance bands. Like it was nothing crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and then this this like little area in the back where they would like make you do. Um, uh, wow, I can't think of the name right now. You know, when like you you uh, you blow into the tube and you have to keep the ball at a certain level when you have like a lung issue. I don't know if you've ever ever had to do that. No, I never had. To okay, do that. so so yeah, so it's like a pulmonary test. So you have to do that every so often throughout the circuit to keep an eye on you know how much oxygen you're you're taking in and whatnot. 
So, um, so I would, I would, I was doing that. I was doing that for a couple of months. And when I say I was doing that, I was supposed to be there, let's say three days of the week. Um, I was showing up all three days, but two of those days I was sleeping in the parking lot in my car and just telling everyone that I was going to my pulmonary rehab meeting to go work out. Um, you know, picking up Dunkin' Donuts on the way and eating, you know, three bacon, eggs and cheeses and then passing out in my car and then going to work. Um, so uh, that was that for a little while. And then the real, you know, kick in the ass to me was one day I was in there um, and they had put me on the treadmill. And I, again, I am not an athlete. <laughs> I am not, I was not anything at the time. Uh, and they put me on this treadmill and I swear to you, Brett, they had to put it on like 0.2 or 0.5, like yeah. nothing. A snail was going faster than I was. <laughs> and they put me in between this old couple. So I had, I had an older woman to the left of me and an older gentleman to the right of me. And I'm talking like 80 and above mm-hmm. minimum. They were 80 and above. And I'm doing my little fucking, oh, excuse me, my little strut. I'm so sorry. It's you fine. should have known before having me on here. Oh, I, I, was, I, I, I know. You're from New okay. York. It's fine. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing my little, my little flare strut on this treadmill. <laughs> and, um, you know, grandma and grandpa are kicking my ass. Like, they're booking it. Mm-hmm. Like, killing the game. Like, I'm talking like they're on like a 3.5 to a 4. And they're at full blast. And I'm just like, wow, they're four times your age or two times your age, whatever the case may be. And they're, they're literally putting you to shame. Like you're going to die here. Like that's, what's going to happen. Like there's, there's nothing really you can do. Mm-hmm. So I got really, really uh, disgruntled about it. Like I was, I was very upset. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I just told myself, listen, you're not going to have real progression here. Like there's nothing for you here and no one's really helping you. Um, so at that point I had moved to a, a regular gym a privately owned gym. I got uh, introduced to my trainer, who's still my trainer now, Steve. Um, and, you know, Steve had had his own weight loss journey himself. He had lost like 115 pounds on his own. Um, we had actually gone to the same high school together. He's two years younger than me. And like, like we were saying before, uh, I don't know if we had recorded at that point, but, um, you know, he was my hallway fat buddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like we didn't really know each other, but when we saw each other in the hallways, we give each other a little little head nod, little how you doing? And that was it. So when I got introduced to him and I seen how much weight he lost, you know, he was in the middle of, uh, you know, he wanted to become a bodybuilder at that point. You know, um, you know, later on, he successfully competed a handful of times now. But, uh, you know, at that point, he was just like he was getting ready to to do his first prep. And, um, you know, I looked at him and he he was just like, well, what are your goals here? And I was like, well, I want to, I want to lose weight. And my ultimate goal is to be healthy enough to join wrestling school. You know, I never put a number on how much I wanted to lose because I didn't really understand how much I needed to lose. Mm -hmm. All what I knew was that I wanted to be healthy enough to go to wrestling school. So whatever that health marker was, that's what I wanted to hit. Um, You know, we started, we had worked together probably so this had to be december of 2015 so we worked together you know started this december december of 2015 worked till about november of 2016 lost around 88 to 90 pounds and then like i said before i was in the midst of this i was still getting sick i was still having asthma attacks i was still getting put on this prednisone so the weight that i was working so hard to lose i was gaining back instantaneously Mm-hmm. So what 
do I do? You know, I'm not sustaining this weight loss and it's not my fault. I'm following the meal plan. I'm working hot. I'm working out. I'm working out six to seven days a week and I've never been in a gym before. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm seriously working my tail off. Uh, at that point, I had a conversation with my doctor and he was like, hey, listen, um, for for your health, you know, for this to be successful, you know, I think that you should really look into gastric sleeve surgery. You know, you should have the bariatric surgery. It'll put you in the right direction. It'll kickstart your journey. You know, you've proven already that you can lose weight. Um, you know, and the insurance companies will will pick it up because you have the you have the record of you lose. You know, at this point, you've lost weight on your own. Um, so when I was like 13 years old, you know, I had an asthma attack. I was in the hospitals in ICU. They had walked in the bariatric unit at the time had walked into my room and kind of handed me a pamphlet on right. gastric sleeve surgery. So, so just to put a perspective, I'm 22 right now. I'm talking from when I'm 22, but when I was 13, you know, they tried to have this conversation with me. Um, so I remember back then reading the pamphlet and looking at my grandmother at the time because she was alive and being like, Hey, I think that I should do this. And of course, old school Italian grandmother, you know, you need to, you need to die the same way you came into this earth. They can't take anything out of your body, blah, 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 blah. Not fully understanding, you know, why I needed this and how this would help me and, you know, X, Y, Z, but also we knew a lot of people, you know, within our family and, and friends of family that had had bariatric surgery when it was still fairly new. Um, and they would be very successful at first, and then they would put back on all the weight, you know? So I had never really proven to my family that I could lose weight and sustain a weight loss. So they didn't want me to go for this surgery and then, you know, take the weight off and then, you know, put it back on eventually, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't want me to be a failure. Um, and they didn't, they didn't really believe in the fact that I could do it, which is fine. You know, my track rather, my track record proved that I really couldn't. Um, but I remember, keeping that pamphlet and taking it home and obviously really reading up on everything that I could at the time about gastric sleeve, because in the back of my mind, I knew one day when I could make decisions in my own life, this was probably the route that I would have to take, you know, just subconsciously, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so now fast forward to 22, my doctor's having this conversation with me. My grandmother had passed already, obviously. Uh, and having this conversation with my parents was extremely hard um, because, again, they didn't really get it, you know. Um, finally, you know, my dad agreed to come with me down to a consultation to go see a bariatric surgeon. We had the conversation and we really got the ball rolling. Um, so I had gastric sleeve November 14th, 2016. Um, and I lost. 278 pounds to date right and that's amazing and that's i always like to bring up a, it's it's just it's another tool that you can use right yeah oh it's that's cause, totally cause, what it is because uh because it's i mean when i was in the hospital in 2016 right or 2017 i guess it was because it was january uh which was like six weeks after you got your sleeve done mm -hmm. um you know they came in my room and tossed me the pamphlet right and, and I thought about it for a while and then it eventually just got to the point because I, I didn't have any other conditions other than, well, I was on blood thinners for a while. But, um, you know, I, once I started losing, once I actually started trying and losing weight, I was like, I'll just keep doing this for now. Right. Because it, it's been working. Um, but, but there's like all these tools, you can take the tools that you have and that are available to you and it's how you use them. Like you said, like you knew a lot of people that had had uh, bariatric surgery and then had gained it back. Yeah. 
and like yeah. in my hometown like people that i knew that had it same thing like they had right. it and or or like some people had it like later kind of later in life and then like they looked like so worn down like yes. they're like they, they lost all like in their face like they just looked like they yep. were worn out yep. and i don't know what it was from exactly but a lot of them gained gained a sig- not all maybe on, on all their way back but a significant portion of yeah absolutely yeah. um you know by the time i gotten my surgery I only knew of one other person around my age who had ever had it. And it was a girl that I went to high school with and we weren't, you know, particularly close. Like my friend group kind of ran into her friend group at parties a handful of times, you know, like we had that one mutual friend that would bring us all together. And, you know, if that friend wasn't around, then I never saw this other group of people. Um, And I remember finding out because she wasn't like super open about what she did, which whatever. Um, so I remember finding out and then, you know, at a party one night, turning around to her and being like, hey, like, you got the sleeve, right? And she was just like, yeah, why? And I was like, I'm going to go get it. And she was like, oh, my God, that's so amazing, blah, 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 blah. Um, take my number, you know, whatever you need to know, whatever information, because she was really on the money with it. Like, she was doing really, really well. She had had it, kept the weight, you know, kept the weight off, was still losing, blah, 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 blah. So any questions that I had, she, she was nice enough to answer, you know, um, because coming from a, a over 500 pound lifestyle and, you know, someone telling you, hey, we're going to take out, you know, two thirds of your stomach. The first question that pops into your mind because you're so addicted to food is, well, how much am I going to be able to eat and how long am I going to have to eat that little bit? Um, and that right there is something that will make people not ever do the surgery period because they think that, you know, you're never going to get accustomed to that lifestyle. You're so addicted to food. Well, I still want to be able to have five slices of pizza. If I want to, you should never want to have five slices of pizza, but I get it. (laughs) You know, was that your equivalent of the David voice when he, yeah, it was actually, that was David's voice. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. That's the first and only time I've ever attempted to do a David voice. I think, and I think I think I hit the nail on the head there, bud. But anyway, so five slices of pizza. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I was nervous as shit, you know, like mm-hmm. super nervous, so addicted to food, Italian background. Like I always I always point that out on podcasts. But like if you're not Italian and this is not an ethnic thing, but it is an ethnic thing at the same time, like you're not understanding. Italians eat to eat like Italians eat when they're bored, when they're happy, when they're sad, when someone dies, when someone's born, when someone sneezes, we eat. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to make a little sandwich. No, it's a five course meal all the time. All the trimmings, all the pasta, all the salad, all the meat, all the dessert, all the coffee. It's a it's a show. It's a show. Okay, And. I'm blessed enough that I have an Italian known straight off the boat from Sicily who owned three restaurants. So this woman can cook. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, to me, it was like, all is what I knew how to do was eat Brett. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's it. I was good at two things. Telling you who, were, who won the world heavyweight title in 1997, <laughs> you know, and, and eating that, that was it. That was my, that was my claim to fame here. I had nothing else. Yeah. And, um, I was taking away that and it was a little bit of a mind fuck. Sorry. But you know, it was what it was. Um, so obviously I was nervous about, you know, losing that, but you also have to understand the other side of that coin is 
I had high blood pressure when I was 13 years old. I was put on my first high blood pressure medicine at 13. You know, I had sleep apnea at, at 12. Um, I had the asthma forever. Like I was on a laundry list of drugs and taking stuff that I should have never taken at a, at a, such a young age. And that's all I knew. I knew doctor's appointments, taking medicine, and that's it. Like yeah. that was my life forever. And I just wanted to break that cycle. So finally I had the surgery and then the weight starts coming off and first thing to go, blood pressure pill, gone, gone. And I remember being so happy about it because it was annoying, you know, like I'm 13 years old. The first time I take a blood pressure medicine and I have vivid memories of being over a friend's house for dinner and the dad talking about his medicine to the, to, to the mom and he mentions, you know, whatever, whatever blood pressure pill that he was on at the time. And I was like, oh, I take that. <laughs> and everyone in the house just looks at me and goes, you take that? Yeah, 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 I take that. And I'm on the same thing with a water pill and blah, 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 blah. I'm on whatever milligram. And having a full-blown conversation about high, high blood pressure medicine at 13 years old with my friend's dad. You know, like, yeah, this is my life, you know. Um, and then, the, you know, the second thing to go was the CPAP machine. And I was hooked up to that thing forever. That's all I knew how to sleep on. And, you know, it was just adding more tools to my utility belt. It was just getting better and better and better and better and better. Um, you know, obviously, as you progress with bariatric surgery, you know, you're not always going to eat like a squirrel, you know. Uh, I mean, we had lunch together. Yeah. You know, I, I ate all the meat out of that sandwich, but then I was I was done. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, sure. I. You know, but I can still in, eat and indulge and enjoy. And just like everybody else, it's not I'm, I'm not eating, you know, one piece of cabbage and or, you know, <laughs> cauliflower and I'm and I'm donezo. Um, but, you know, that was a, a mental mental strain as well. Like that was that was a um, what do you call it? that was like a, a mental wall that I had to get past also was how much how much food am I going to be able to eat all at once? Because you're so addicted. So speaking about the mental side of it, because that's. I mean, that's key for everybody eventually. Um, what, so, so when you got the surgery, like, obviously, I don't know if you had it, you're kind of going towards that to fix your mental side where you didn't, like, you didn't have the reliance on food as much, or was it like as after months of after the surgery where you started to shift the mental side? Cause I mean, obviously you were physically limited what you could eat by, uh, by the surgery. So I was prepping myself mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, before going into this, like constantly telling myself your life is going to change the way that you operate, the way that you eat, the way that you do everything is going to change, whether you like it or not. So you just better be ready for it. Um, and I knew I knew that I was blessed because I had gotten to the point where my family was on board, which is really difficult. So one of the things that they make you do when you're going to have bariatric surgery is they make you go to a support group. So at the time for my insurance, I had to guarantee that I was going to go to one. All I had to do was go to one meeting and I was good. Like that was my sign off. Mm -hmm. um, some insurance companies make you go like, you know, a whole month or whatever, but you know, mine, I was only entitled to go to one. So I went to the support group and um, I'm looking around the room and mind you, it's mostly women. Okay. Mostly women. I think I'm like one of two or three guys at the time in this room. And um, a lot of people who are in there 
are actually revision patients. So I, I don't know, you know, people listening to this, but a lot of the time, so when you get a gastric sleeve surgery, the reason why a doctor usually will put you on to get, you know, make you go gastric first is because obviously they believe that you can do it. You know, you don't need a bypass. You don't need an RNY, whatever, but it's also a safety net because God forbid you need a revision. They can turn a, a sleeve into a bypass, a bypass into an RNY, you know, like it's, it's, it's just very interchangeable, but you can never obviously go backward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a lot of people in there who had sleeves and now they were turning them into bypasses because, you know, they had gained back such a huge amount of weight. And I remember telling myself, you will never be back in this room ever. You're never going to be back here because you need a revision. I was, I literally had like drilled this into my own head. Like, this is it. This is one and done. We're never going to be back here. Whatever happens from this moment on, we have to play by the rules. And, um, and I'm not like a play by the rules type of guy, you know, anyone who knows me. And I know that that sounds stupid and corny and cliche, but like I find a way to bend rules mm-hmm. to work in my favor. That's just the type of person I am. I'm sorry. Um, if there's a rules, they're meant to be broken. That's it. Um, so, you know, they're showing the slideshow and handing out paperwork and just being like, okay, so you're never going to have soda again. You're never going to have bubbles again. Um, you're not going to have carbs for at least two years, whatever, no alcohol for like the first eight months and whatever, whatever. So I was like, okay, cool. That's what I'm doing. Like, that's it. I am playing by these rules. Um, and the more that I stuck to the rules, the better it was going to be. So I gave myself no other option, but to be mentally ready for this. Because I knew that my whole life was going to change. Like this wasn't, this wasn't, oh, I broke a leg and now I need to go get a cast. This was, mm-hmm. they're taking out two thirds of your stomach. And this is a major life decision that you're doing. So don't be an idiot. You know, like you either want it or you don't type of deal. Um, and I tell people all the time, like getting gastric sleeve surgery did more for my mental than it did my physical. Because again, you can eat through a sleeve. If you really want to, if your head's not in the game, you could, you could gain back all the weight. Um, But when you want it and you play by those rules, it's going to do amazing things for you. So I gave, I I gave myself no other, no other option. Um, And I remember vividly waking up, you know, the following couple of days and just, well, at first not knowing what to do with myself because I was just so used to eating. You know, I remember that first day waking up and being like, okay, what do I do now? Like, we're not yeah. hungry. I've never not been hungry before and I'm not supposed to eat anything but mushed blended food. So like, there's no going into the refrigerator and grabbing anything at this point. So I, I kind of just put myself in that mind frame of, you know, this is what you have to do because if not, you're going to make yourself very miserable and your life is going to be miserable. So, you know, that's how I dealt with the the mental end of it. Yeah, and um. I, a lot of times people like because uh, I have friends that I've kind of coached a little bit that want to lose obviously not they don't want to lose as much as I did but they uh, they have like 100 pounds and they have a goal they want to hit right right and and a lot of times like they'll start with well what food can't I have and I was like you got to get your mind away away from the word can't and I was like right. you got to go to can't have it versus don't want it right because like so much of it is like if I don't want it like that's not like saying you can't because if you say it. can't you're gonna be like you're gonna say can't until you say I can't right. have that you can have whatever you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, do you want it in this moment of time? You know, like a perfect example yesterday was national donut day. 
right? Mm-hmm. So in my office, um, they bought, you know, like two things of munchkins and and a, and a thing of uh, donuts. And uh, so I work from, I work for my family business. So my stepmom did this of all people. So she <laughs> she brings in fifty munchkins and and a, and a twelve thing of donuts, right? And obviously these donuts are like staring at me the whole day, mm-hmm. and whatever. And you know, there's times where like I'm just like, hey, screw it, you know, whatever. We're not all perfect. Per- per- perfection's a myth, folks. Like it, yeah. it doesn't exist. Um, but I remember being like yesterday you know i ate all my meals and whatever and i remember being like do you do you want the don't like do you really want the munchkin like what is the munchkin gonna do for you right now yeah versus you know if you go out later you can do you know you can have it if you if we go out for drinks you know you're not gonna feel guilty about the four tequilas you're gonna have tonight or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And, and you know, I, I use that term, you know, feel guilty very loosely because you should never feel guilty about what you're doing. When you make a decision, you should back up that decision a thousand percent and you should never punish yourself for your decision. But like I remember yesterday in particular feeling like these donuts were staring at me all day and and just saying to myself, you know, do you really want the donut? Like what what kind of satisfaction is having a chocolate munchkin going to give you right now? Um, and then just deciding not to, you know, like, but at one point in time, I would have been all up in those munchkins. Like I would have at least had 25 munchkins in the matter of 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how easy it is to eat a munch- pop, 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 oh, it's, pop. It's like, super easy, you know, but, um, yeah. So like can't is a, is a stupid term. That's going to set you up for failure in my opinion. Um, because the more you tell yourself that you can't do something or you, you can't have something, the more your brain is going to try to prove you wrong in a sense, you know, it's going to go after it. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, yesterday was National Donut Day. And it's funny because uh, two days before that, so it was Wednesday, uh, some guy at work had like a bag of Dunkin' Donuts on his desk and he was eating it midday. And I saw it and I was like, it's got, it got that nugget in my head. I'm like, God, I want a donut, right? Yeah. And then Thursday, which is the day before D- Donut Day, I was like driving and I see the Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, I really want a donut. Cause like, yeah. I, I kept thinking about it and, and I actually did. I went in and got one. Cause I was did you? like, yeah, I got a Boston cream. Like one. That's my favorite donut. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. It's also like the least calories, which is, I don't know how that's possible. It is right. Yeah. It, it's, it's like the, like, like the chocolate frosted is, is more calories than the Boston cream, which makes because no it, sense. Cause there's nothing there's like inside. pudding inside well, of it. Yeah. Right? There's pudding inside. Yeah. So yeah. It's, a, it's a hollow donut. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I get, yeah. So, um, so I got it and then like, I got busy at work. I didn't, it was still at my desk at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, you didn't eat it. I did at three o'clock when I realized and I was like, shit, I didn't eat that all day. Like I got it so I could have it. And then I don't eat it like when I was thinking of it. But and and after I ate it, I was like, eh, like I didn't really need that. But it did taste good. Uh, It still tasted good even hours later. It doesn't give you that like, I don't know. It doesn't give me the high it used to. Like, 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 because after I'm done with anything, like even if it's like one day at work, I I, because I went to the gym before work at like five in the morning and then I. I uh I went to work and then by ten I usually intermittent fast so I don't eat till noon and then by ten I was like starving like I just yeah. was like I need and I need I should have had a shake or something but I didn't prepare and so I went down to the cafeteria and I got like a pack of Oreos and just ate them which you know working out at five a.m. and having Oreos I wonder who that sounds like but um you know I, I had them and like I felt and after I ate them I'm like I was like why did I do that like kind of thing but it was yeah. like I just needed something. 
and I, I move past it. Like I, I think of it as a choice. I don't think of it as like I, I failed or I cheated or yeah, no, it's, it's, I, a thousand it's, it's just, a it's just a choice. I, I, we also say this both having lost over 240 pounds at this point. Right. Right. So it's a little different for us to say it than somebody has lost 10 right. at that moment. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and I, I, like I said, the mindset's like a huge thing. I used to say, I used to say that uh, it's 90% nutrition and 10% exercise or some version of that. Yeah. And now I'm at like, it's 50% mindset or even more than that. Because the mindset, if you don't get over the mindset, like I lost hundred pounds, not having the mindset. Like, I mean, it's pot, you can lose if you just yeah. follow, you can well, lose. Like, so like exactly what you just said, like I tell people it takes 200% to lose mm-hmm. weight, you know, a hundred percent accountability. So following through what you say you're going to do, mm-hmm. 80% mental and, and 20% physical. And that's 200% of, of every, like that's 200% effort right there. And you will meet whatever goal that you want. You know, because it's really about making that decision, following through with that decision, holding yourself accountable to that decision of whatever you're going to do. It's it's all a mental game. Once you figure out how to play that mental game with yourself, it's it's pretty yeah. easy. Yeah, and and so many things that are within the pro, like within like your as you're progressing through your goals, it also adds to the mental game of it because like so much stuff, like even just like as simple as like the scale that you go on every yeah. time you go on it. Like you see that number and it doesn't go down how you want it to go down. Right. And I, I, that, that, that like messes with your head. And like for me, for a while, like it was like I weigh every, I'd weigh every day, I'd weigh every, or every week. And then now I'm getting to the point where I weigh like, I weigh, only weigh once a week because I'm on a program. So I have to give my weight to my nutritionist. But that's the only time I weigh in because I'm like, I, I don't like the scale. <laughs> I, I, I don't live by it. Dude, um, I weigh myself like once every two months. Yeah. And I, uh, actually, because while well, my wife's about to have our baby, and which it was three months before this airs, but um, yeah, we're breaking kayfabe all yeah, over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't care. I'll, I'll break kayfabe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so like I I'm not gonna have the nutrition. So I'm like I'm like I don't even know if I'm gonna weigh in like for because I'm not gonna because I was like I don't I just want to take a break and right. I know I know I'm not gonna be perfect during this time. So I was like, if I don't have to weigh in, I'm gonna, I'm not going to because it's right. also the thing where so much of the journey for me now is the non-scale victories that we have, mm-hmm. like like when we met up in Philly and me, you and our buddy, Kenny, were in the back of an Uber. Yeah. We used to weigh right. what, what, like a combined 1200 pounds or something. Yeah. Easy. 1400 pounds. Easy. And the three of us can fit in the back of an Uber, which yeah. is insane. A normal, was not even like wild. a minivan. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Just a regular Uber. Yeah, exactly. Or the fact that we walk from one end of Philly to the other end of Philly. Yeah. Just <laughs> because. Like and, and, and we could do it. And like, yeah, you could do it with your asthma, like, yeah. with, you know, and, and I could, I, I, no way I would ever walk that far. And I, and if I did, I'd have so much like under the stomach sweat. Oh yeah. Would or be like funk. stopping every five feet. Like I, it, it's funny. Cause I was, we were discussing this when we were all together in Philly. I went to Philly as a kid, you know, I was like 15 years old the first time I ever went to Philly and I hated the trip because of the fact that my family wanted to walk everywhere and I just couldn't keep up, you know, um, my, my family, you know, we would go on, cool little road trips every summer so like you know we, we would do philly we do dc we do baltimore you know hit all the high notes on the east coast um and i hated it as a kid because my uncle and his family would just want to walk everywhere and i would just be like bro that thing is like two miles away can we just hop in a cab like <laughs> yeah there's no reason why we cannot hop in a cab right now and uh, i was i'd be so miserable but now i'm just like you know i i had this conversation with him recently and i'm just like 
can we please redo all the trips that we did as a kid? Because I would actually like to go back and walk around and enjoy it. Like I want to go to DC again so bad and actually enjoy walking the mall and mm -hmm. not be cursing out my uncle and my dad under my breath <laughs> the whole day. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually walked the mall after I was like 120 or 130 down. I went to Cherry Blossoms like in 20, oh, did you? 2019. And in 2020, I always couldn't go. In 2021, still not, not, not going to go either. Uh, but you know, I went and I was like, I was down a good amount and I felt a lot better cause I could actually walk it. Right. Um, I had, I actually wouldn't go to DC cause I, I've lived in Baltimore since 2012 and I hadn't gone to, I've up to that point. I gone to DC like four times. Cause I just was like, I don't want to walk. I don't want to like, I don't, I don't yeah. pay to park and I don't want to like all the, and the hassles and then going on the Metro and the Metro seats are small. And like, it, yeah, you know, it's just like, it's a combination of things. So I would never go to DC. And so we went, we decided to go, but in, on the weekends, it's easier to find parking and mm -hmm. and cheaper parking so we went and we drove down and all that and then walked around the mall did the whole thing and we got to the end and um like we went from like the jefferson memorial where the kind of where you start on all the way to lincoln memorial right, right. walked around the reflecting pool got to the lincoln memorial to the steps and i was just like totally spent like i was done like and i still had like a good amount of like i hadn't had my surgery to cut away some excess skin so i had that flap and like you'd always hear it clap and uh you i it would get it got sweaty and stank. Right. like i i felt off i felt like gross right and so we get there and my and my wife had never been up the steps to the lincoln memorial like inside and i had when i was a kid so i was like i was like oh you go i'll just stay here because i was just like totally spent and this is even after losing i was probably around 500 then right so i'd lost 115 or so and like I was like, and when we left, like we got an Uber back to our car. Cause I was like, we ain't walking. Yeah. <laughs> and Cause we were, I was already over like, I was almost 20,000 steps at that point. So when we got, when we got back, I was like, man, I, I, as we were driving home, I'm like, I wish I would have gone up it. Cause like I, I didn't. And like, and like, I remember not being able to go up the art museum steps in Philly, like the Rocky steps, like right. for so long, like, cause it just was too much. And like, I, I so this was March of 2019. December go back I was in DC for a conference for work and I I wasn't even near there but I like drove over parked on the bridge is that night you can park on the bridges and I parked on the bridge and I walked over to the Lincoln Memorial like I was right there like I didn't have to walk through the whole mall and I was like I'm going up these fucking steps <laughs> and I went up those steps and I took a selfie in front of the Lincoln Memorial I have like a photo of the mall like pretty much empty because it was awesome. like 9 or 10 p.m. And I was like, all right, I, I felt a lot better about it because I, I did what I couldn't do before. Yeah, and it exactly. was it wasn't even like a big it was just for me. Like I, I I might have posted on social media, but I didn't really have a following. So I wasn't doing it like to show everybody how to, you know, right. uh, do stuff. But it was just, it was for me. And that's how most of my journey is for me. It, it's for me. But yeah. but like it, it's so gratifying when you can do that and you can like recreate, you can go back to places you went before and like you can yeah. do it. And so like, you talking about like your uncle, like going back and doing these trips again and walking and even saying that like when you would see people like walking and running like for leisure like when you yeah were, like, oh god obvious, yeah you're, you're like what, who are these psychos yeah like what are you doing like but yeah that's why fit like when we met up in philly that's why that trip was so important to me because it was so like you mentioned the art museum before and the, the rocky stairs the, when i was in philly the first time i was ever in philly i couldn't do those stairs like I just put it in my head that I was not walking those stairs, period. Now, I think at the time, how long has the Rocky statue been on the bottom? Uh, at, at least the last 10 to 15 years. Okay, so yeah, so I, I believe, so the Rocky statue might have still been at the bottom. 
when when I was there because I I vividly remember seeing the Rocky statue. So mm-hmm. it couldn't have been a t- on the top because I was not I was not walking it. So yeah. when when we when we walked from from Reading Terminal Market all the way to the art museum and then up those stairs and we we jogged those stairs um i was on top of the world like i know that maybe i really didn't show it but like on the inside i was popping like i was like Mm -hmm. marking the hell out like i was just i was so happy because you know 12 13 14 year old jr was at the bottom of those stairs looking at everybody go up yeah and looking at my siblings you know my sister and my cousins all do the stairs and then i'd be at the bottom eating a mr softy like like i didn't (laughs) want to do it you know so it's a you know everything that i do in life is kind of like a little bit of a redemption tour um and i like it you know i I love it that way i want to be able to do all the stuff that i couldn't do once before and i think that that's like the most cathartic and and um the biggest blessing of all about this journey you know it's not about following it's not about you know comments it's not about likes it's 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 like just being able to do what you couldn't do when you were at your worst, you know? Yeah. And like, so when I was at the Rocky steps in like 2012, we had organized, like we had friends here and like a lot of, a lot of transplants from different places. Like we have a friend from California, from Florida. So like they, they were used to, they never had cities so close together. So like we went up to Philly for, we, we, I set up this, like we went out to all these sites in Philly and like the Rocky steps was one of them. And, um when we went up like i went up like the first like the to the first platform as yes. you're going up and then i stopped because i was like i was already winded at that point and i don't i don't know what i weighed then i probably was in the fives but like they went all the way up all the way and like they some of them ran full full blast and i was just like yeah that's that's nice uh, and, and and i'll tell you like so i went to the art museum i was in philly about three weeks before we were right and that was the first time I went up the Rocky steps again or ever. I never went up on that as well as I can remember. Yeah. And when I went up there, like I was like, like that, like you were saying, like so ecstatic, like just go, like so proud of it. Cause right. you don't like you, you missed out on so much of your life. Yeah. You didn't even realize like, you try to make it sound like, Oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not going to let my weight dictate my life, but, you but it do. does. Yeah. yeah. It always does. Always yeah. does. And I remember jogging up those stairs when we were there and then getting to the top and being like, was it always this easy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Not even to sound like like a heel or anything, but like, there's no way, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. I still I still remember, like I remember the pain of being winded. I remember the pain of being heavy, like the pains in my legs and and all that. But like breezing up those stairs and then getting to the top, I was like, was it always this easy? Like, there's no way that it could have been this easy. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 really crazy when you when you look at it that way because so much of it it seems so hard. Like a flight of stairs seemed hard, right? right. Like like I mean, I so in my house I have a like split level house, so like each floor is like six or seven steps between them. Mm-hmm. And um, when I go all when I go from the basement to do wash and take it all the way up, I'd like be huffing and puffing. Now I can do it no problem, right? Yeah. Just because you, you you start to change your you get in the habit of exercising regularly and you right. don't and and then you don't have all this excess weight. So it's crazy how how easy it is once you actually do make the change in the effort yeah, to absolutely be, to be better. Um, all right, cool. So uh, we have been talking about like the journey, and what I wanted to get into was I like to talk about everybody about an interest. I know yours is pro wrestling. 
Right. And it also kind of ties to what, cause you talked about wrestling school. Mm-hmm. So what I want to start with is like your interest as a fan and then move to the school part. Okay. And becoming a pro wrestler and all that. So okay. like, what was like when you were a kid, like what was the first like instance that you remember of being into pro wrestling? Like, was there a certain per- wrestler that you liked the best or was there like any moment that you can remember from like, the um, first one? Yeah. So I've been a wrestling fan forever, like probably since birth. And you're going to sit there and be like, well, how are you? So my my grandfather um, had a friend who was involved in the wrestling, uh, you know, industry for a really long time. This guy, Professor Elliot, he worked for the WWF, whatever they came up to MSG back mm-hmm. in the 80s and the 90s. Um, and he used to get my grandfather all the old promo pictures. He used to get him signatures, whatever, whatever. And, you know, when I was a kid, I spent a, a, a big majority of my time with my mom's parents because my both my parents worked when I was a kid and both my dad's parents worked when I was a kid. So my mom's mom didn't work. So she would she would watch me in the daytime and then I would hang out with her and my and my papa at night. And so he was the wrestling fan. And then um, they moved away from Brooklyn in probably 90, probably like 96. 95, 96, they moved away. Um, so when they moved away, they moved to Florida. So um, I, w- I would go, we would go to Florida a lot when I was a kid. So uh, we would watch a lot of WCW together. You know, mm-hmm. um, WCW obviously was on all the major networks. It was, you know, it was on TNT, TBS at the time. Um, and Hogan had, ju- had jumped over to WCW in 94. Um, and Hogan was always like my favorite wrestler. Um, you know, I had gotten really into wrestling. Like I was, a, I was a channel. You know, I would, I would during the Monday Night Wars, I'd be a night. I was a WCW kid. You know, okay. I was fully. I love Southern wrestling. Um, you know, like what WWF was putting on in the early nineties, I wasn't really into. I wasn't into the cartoon stuff. Like doing the clown was cool, but like other than that, I really wasn't into it. And then during the Attitude Era, I would bounce back and forth between Nitro and Raw. Um, But Hogan was like God to me. And I don't know if it was just like the -the over-the-top personality, the promos. Um, You know, he was a heel in 96. Oh, no, 96. Yeah, 96, right? Yeah. Fashion Beach 96. Yeah, so 96, they finally turned him heel. So, like, I really grew up with a heel Hogan. You know, like, Mm -hmm. NWO was running wild. And... um. I was hooked like good guy versus bad guy. The bad guy was the cool guy now because we're in the middle of the nineties and like, it's, it's cool to be bad now. And um, just the over the top personalities, like the women, the, the, the camaraderie, the promos, just the grittiness, just, just all of it. And I, and I was hooked and I just was eating and breathing and, and just everything wrestling. And um, you know, my grandfather was really into it. He had old tapes, my cousin was a tape trader, you know, in Florida. So I'm, I'm watching all the old territories. I'm watching Japanese stuff. I'm watching ECW stuff at two o'clock in the morning. Like I was hooked and, you know, you didn't have to really, there was no physicality as a fan for wrestling. You know what I mean? Like it was sit down on the couch or watch wrestling. So I could do that. I mean, I didn't have to be active. Um, you know, and I had my little clique of wrestling friends as a kid, you know, we'd all go over each other's houses and watch, you know, wrestling, or whatever. But like, 
my family was very supportive of my wrestling addiction because it was like the only thing that I could really be into. So like my grandparents would buy me action figure after action figure after action figure. You know, my dad would religiously order me every pay-per-view growing up. And then, you know, in the nineties, we, in New York, we had the hot boxes. So yeah, like, I don't know. We if, had them too. Yeah. So like I wasn't paying for, we weren't paying for pay-per-views. They were just on. Um, so I was watching every single pay-per-view. I was buying every home video, Coliseum home video, WCW home video, like everything. And, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I knew so much vast amount of knowledge because I became obsessed with the sport. Um, I would tell people, yeah, one day I'm going to be a wrestler or one day I'm going to be a manager. But I would really, you know, it was not really I wanted to be a manager. It was always one day I'm going to get healthy enough to be a wrestler, you know, because it wasn't it, it, I knew I couldn't physically do it. That wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, it, from a small kid to you know well into my teenage years you know well what do you want to do well you know eventually i want to get in a wrestling ring it's going to happen so you know that yeah. was uh that was me growing up with wrestling yes so my, mine was uh sting in the 89 bash okay it was like my first memory because i was like i was like five right? right and um and then i actually got out of watching it for a long time because I, I think it was the cartoony time yes and uh and it was mostly wwf and i just said sting but you know it was right, mostly no. WWF in Philly area. Um, and then I didn't get back into it till summer 98. Okay. And it was because I was watching ESPN. Like it was probably, it, was, it must've been like, it was right before the all, it was like midsummer. So it's baseball all the time. Mm-hmm. And I see it's the Goldberg streak thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and I was like, I know who Hulk Hogan was. So I was like Hogan. And then I saw this guy and he just like looked, intense like and so because when you ever see pro wrestling on sports center right right and so i was like all right so i tuned in to the nitro when he won the belt from hogan and i was like and i was like i kind of i liked it because it was different it was not like the cartoony stuff i remember it was gritty yeah yeah and because i had friends that would watch the car like and i'd be at their house and they'd watch and i'm like eh. like i wasn't into it like doing the clown and right you know all the d- gimmicks that vince had in the 90s repo man yeah. and just everything else yeah. <laughs> and then uh and then, so then I was like, and then I, the next night um, or the next week I flipped on, like I flipped between the two, cause I knew this was WWF. So I just flipped on raw and it was, you know, the crazy, it was the Austin stuff. Yeah. It was the Austin show. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, this is great too. And so I'm like flipping back and forth and, uh, and that summer, like I just got invested back in. So I like went back to, I like, I did research when there wasn't really much research you could do. So it was like finding it on the internet in 98. Yeah, which is and, not even the internet, but yeah. And um, so I go back, I, I started going back and I went to like 95, like late 95 ish. And I just went to Blockbuster every week. Me too. And I'd go get, I'd go get like, I'd, I'd figure out the, the progression of when stuff happened. Yeah. And I just, even I know, I knew what happened, but I wanted to see how it happened. And I just, I got, I rented like, I would rent like three, three each week, weekend. Yep. And then I just caught up. And by the end of that summer, like I was pretty knowledgeable about it all. And like I was caught up and I just, I, we didn't get pay-per-views that often because we didn't have the hot box then, but man, I, it was just like, in, it, it was the peak of the business, right? <laughs> Anybody's, I mean, people say the eighties, but I'm like nothing no. off the attitude, the attitude era, 90, 97, 98. So yeah. So, um, so if, if you had to say, cause you asked me this on your podcast, so I'm going to ask you who are your top three. Um, top three wrestlers of all time. Yeah, we can go four. Go Mount Rushmore. All right, yeah, all right. I'll do Mount Rushmore. Uh, Hogan, Flair, Sting, Taker. Nice. 
guess you want to know mine now i guess so uh so mine's sting Shawn michaels stone cold and flair because i i i always i like flair's pro uh, flair's promos are just insane yeah flair's a early age i mean late 80s promos mid-atlantic championship yeah. wrestling you know nwa just those are works of art i don't care i don't care like and, and I his, his, his uh he the, one of the few tapes i one of the few like tapes or dvds i actually bought like on ebay is one for him because i got a flare for the gold from 83 okay. and which is you know his peak really and but but then like when you even go in wcw when he get gets crazy and he starts like cutting promos in his in his boxers in the oh, in his the boxer ring. briefs yeah and and he's just just absolutely insane and then i actually met him once but he was I like, met him also but, but he was like not it was one of those where you don't want to meet your heroes kind of moments because he wasn't into it. Like he wasn't into like the sign. It was an autograph signing. Yeah. But he just was like really like not Rick Flair. Really? Yeah. He was not on. At that. So when like, did you meet him? Uh, 2015 or 16. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So I met him the same year. Yeah. Where did, where did you meet him? Baltimore. He was at a, oh, okay. at a Maryland championship wrestling show. They do. They, they usually bring in some WWE guys every, oh, every okay. big show. And, he it was him they were a big and, indie for a while yeah him and buff bagwell uh were there um i i didn't actually go to the show i just got, went to get the autograph and left right because i was like i i had my belts so i was like i'm not <laughs> i'm not hanging around with my belts yeah yeah, yeah and no, uh but yeah so i met him there and you know i after i met him i'm like i'm like because i met sean michaels a couple years before that and like he was cool like i was more in engage he's more engaging than really? Blair was and i was just like all right. I mean, it, it was also like probably around the time when his son died. So he was not yes. at the same, like he was probably not in a good headspace either. So it was different, but I, I met Flair at a big signing uh, that they do up on this end uh, called the big event and Flair. And yeah. So it was the first year that I went, it was Flair was the headliner. Second year I went, it was Hogan was the, headli the headliner. Mm -hmm. So I, I might have them reversed, but whatever. But I remember going in to meet Flair super early in the day. Um, because of the fact that I heard rumors that, you know, as the day progresses, he gets more drunk and crankier as the day progresses. <laughs> and I wanted him in the best flair in the best flair version of himself possible. Um, so when I met him, he was, he was pretty nice. Like he was a little standoffish and you could tell he was very much just about business. Um, but I did get to meet him. I got his book signed because, um, his book to be the man when he signed with WWE, I think that that when did that come out in like oh three? Yeah, something. Like um, that, yeah. I did a book report on that. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, because we had to do an autobiography on an athlete, and I'm just like, well, who's the best athlete in the world? It's obviously the 16 time <laughs> world champion. Like, yeah, come on. So I had I had his I had his book signed to be the man, and we and you know he bullshitted for like two seconds, and it was you know on to the next person. Uh, but I do hope to meet him again because he is just. He he is just everything. Like yeah, he yeah, was yeah. a living legend. When, when I met him, it was a it was a night thing, so it was like a five o'clock at night. Oh he yeah, probably yeah, was totally loaded at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's 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 interesting when you meet him because you, you only see like I've only the only ones I've seen in person were them two, and then once I was on a flight with the Bella Twins. Oh really? Yeah, I was coming from Oakland to to Baltimore, and Balt Raw had Baltimore the next night. Oh cool. So uh, and I was on the flight, and I saw them like you know it was a southwest flight and i'm just it's just weird because they're on southwest southwest so i'm i'm waiting i'm there early i always get there super early for flights and i'm sitting there and, and i see these people come in and like you know they, they kind of they just stand there in the like they're in the line because they had like the suit like they had a list or whatever right all right 
So they're like standing there and I'm like, I look up and I'm like, do I know these? Like they looked familiar. And I was like, how do I? And then I, it clicked after like a few, about three minutes of just like kind of looking at them. <laughs> and I was like, that's the Bella twins. So I took a, I took a picture and, and then uh, I sent this on my wrestling friends. And then, and then they're like, oh, you gotta go talk to them. I'm like, no. Yeah. I, I, it was just one of those things where I'm like, like they probably get hounded everywhere they go. Yeah. And they weren't getting hounded by anybody in the Oakland airport. So I was like, I'm just gonna go. And honestly, it's not somebody I really cared that much about. Um, but as soon as we landed and I saw they had to wait, they had checked their bags. And when they were getting their bags in Baltimore, picture after picture after picture. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Because I'm sure people were waiting in the airport for the wrestlers showing up too, because it's yeah. on the next night. But it's, it's just a different world too. Cause like you see that and you're like, man. And um, when I went to WrestleMania the one year in Dallas, uh, you know, I was in the airport. And I saw like Bully Ray. Okay. He was, but I, in, he kind of, I've always heard things about him being standoffish. So I was like, I'm not going to go up to him, but I just saw him and I saw him in velvet sky, you know, and then uh, I saw a couple others while I was there, but um, yeah, I, I'm also just not like, I kind of like get that people all are also want private lives. And like, honestly, what's a picture of Bully, Bully Ray going to do for me? Like it's, it's not, it's not like, like I have a picture of a Ric Flair. I have a picture with Shawn Michaels. Like right. those are like idols of mine. Right. Like he's not quite the same level for me. Right. Right. No, a thousand percent. I, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, Hogan would be a cool one to get. I have a Hogan. Yeah, you. I, ha a Hogan. I had to have a Hogan. Yeah. I had to have a Hogan. Yeah, I want the, another I'll, Hogan though. Like, also, I, I want to do it again. Also, if you could ever get The Rock somewhere, like that would be. That's the one I I would love to have. I need or Austin. Yeah. Or because I also have that the winged eagle belt, and I'm like, I need I need Stone Cold's signature on it because I have a Stone Michaels and I have Ric Flair on each. On end. the winged eagle. Yeah. And I'm like, I I want Stone Cold or, or Stone Cold and Hogan would be great, but. Like, yeah, but it's Stone Cold never does sign like almost never does anything like that. No. So, nope, it's it's almost impossible now. Yeah, yeah. So, so so we talked about the fandom and marked over the attitude error a little bit. Um, so what? So you said you wanted to go to wrestling school. So how did that happen? Like, I'm guessing you lost like when you hit the two, at least two hundred lost, or was it earlier than that? Oh, so, again, always wanted to do it. Right, mm -hmm. like. I remember in middle school, me and my best friend at the time put together like a backyard, backyard wrestling federation, you know, mm -hmm. and like I was the booker and like I was just booking matches and like super into it, whatever. Like we were just being reckless and stupid and just <laughs> I wasn't really doing much because I couldn't really do anything, but I was booking and I was just having the time of my life. I thought I was Vince McMahon in middle school. Um, so I always really wanted to do it. So fast forward now, it's 2014. Um, I had started working in the nightclub industry. Like I was really, really big in nightlife. Um, and I was a club promoter. And I was doing a spot at the time called Bridgeview. And one of our bartenders was Zack Ryder's best friend, the Big O. I don't know if you remember the Big O from... Uh, uh, Z Long Island story or whatever is nah, big. I don't remember him though. Big, big, big friend. Um, <laughs> big juice head friend. Um, so me and Adam had hit it off. Wait, wait, Ju juice heads in wrestling. Yeah. So whatever. So me and Adam had hit it off, right? And because I knew who he was, and I wasn't like he wasn't worth marking out over, if that made mm -hmm. sense. Like, and I was just talking to him as a person. Like, as much as he wanted me to mark out over him, I was just not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I would hang out at his bar because he was hooking me up with drinks and we would casually talk wrestling, even though, like, 
he verbatim had told me, oh, you know, growing up, I wasn't really a wrestling fan. So I had lost respect for him at that point. Like <laughs> that's just that's just what it was. But um, he was working for a local um, indie by me called NYWC. And then and NYWC had produced talent like Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, um, Trent Beretta. Um, you know, it was Mikey Whipwreck school from ECW. So like big names were involved with the school and big names were coming out of the school. Um, Matt Stryker was there all the time. He was a trainer at the time there. Um, so, you know, I had I had been talking with Adam Big O and he was just like, why don't you why don't you start selling tickets for me? So I was like, all right, you know, I'm a club promoter. I know everything about selling tickets, whatever. I was like, if this, if this is what's going to break me into the business brother, then, um, then here I am. Right. So I shot, right. Exactly. So, so, um, I started going to shows. I started selling tickets for the, for the promotion and no one in the promotion really knew who I was at the time other than Adam. Um, you know, I was bringing in his merch for him, um my cousin was extremely close to him they were neighbors so like my cousin was working out with him and working out with zach Ryder. i had never met Ryder before though um and whatever so I, w- I was going to shows and then um he had won the belt and i think the night that he won and the nywc title um was bull james who's my trainer one of my best friends in the whole wide world now um I think that was his last night on the indies. He had just signed to uh, WWE NXT at the time, which NXT I don't wasn't even born yet. It wasn't even like a figment in anyone's imagination mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so, you know, after every single show, you know, they would all go to a bar that sponsored, you know, the company and all the boys would drink. And I was like 20 at the time like i still wasn't even legal to drink but yet i was a huge club promoter i was drinking everywhere and whatever whatever and i you know i walk into this bar because i looked like 35 at the time i was you know so overweight whatever you're like the blake um, bortles of uh pro wrestling yeah exactly yep uh-huh so um so i walk into this bar that i had no business being in and for those that don't know who bill james is bill james is like six foot two uh you know 345 pounds stocky big dude right and you know he was even he was really really athletic like extremely extremely athletic and um you know just watching him on the indies because i didn't know who he was at the time but like you know going to these shows up to the point where then he got signed um i had you know become a bit of a mark for him like you know he was what i envisioned myself to be if i could get into the ring you know he was super athletic he could talk on the microphone he was tough he was this he was that and i was like fuck i want to be this guy so yeah, I'm, can I, so just interject like when i saw him on nxt yeah i like i liked him a lot because i was like like he looks kind of like me kind of exactly like, right and because and it's too bad it didn't work out but you know it happens right. but i was just i was like i just really liked him because i was like it's not like the stereotypical bodybuilder build no. that you see in wwe or right. the athletic little guys that they've adopted recently yes no like he was he was the guy i was connecting with because mm-hmm. everybody if you're a fan of anything there's a reason why you're connecting with that person you see a little bit of yourself 99 percent of the time in that person so you know so now I, here i am in this bar he had just signed to nxt it was his last show he you know the next morning he's driving out to he's flying out to florida they're moving him to florida whatever so i walk up to him in this bar he's drinking a bud light and um 
I'm just like, hey, how are you? My name is John, blah, 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 blah. I'm friends with Adam. And he just kind of peeks his head up to me and he goes, what do you want? Okay, so this is how this conversation started. Um, so I was just like, hey, man, I got to know, like, how do you do it? Like, you're you're so big, but you're so light on your feet. Like, you know, you just roll with the punches. Like, but you're a big dude. Like, you're a big dude like me. Like, how the hell do you do this? And, like, still keep up and not keel over and die. And he literally took a, took a sip of his drink and he goes, you just do it. And that was it. And I was like, okay, you just do it. Cool. I say my goodbyes. I take a picture with Jerry Lynn because Jerry Lynn was there that night and I get out of the bar. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got the bug now. Like I have the wrestling bug. (laughs) And uh, I'm just like to all my friends, I'm going to do this. You know, now this is 2014. You know, 2013, 2014. I'm just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. You're not physically able to do this, John. Like, relax. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can't. Yeah, like, I mean, you don't want to be like tugboat out there, right? Right. Exactly. Which was my biggest fear. Like, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into being the big guy. Um. So now NXT is going on. He's a part of that first crop of NXT. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um. It, you know, long story short, it really doesn't work out. You know, at the time for him in NXT, so he gets released. Um, and he becomes the head trainer of NYWC. So at this point, I've already had my surgery. I'm down. I think I hit the 200 pound mark and I'll never forget. It was Labor Day weekend. Um, and 2018, maybe something like that. 2017, 2018, maybe. Um, and, um, I was speaking to my girlfriend at the time. I don't even think that we were officially like going out yet. And she was just like, do it. Like, I was just like, I think I'm going to join wrestling school. Mm -hmm. And I've been tossing around the idea for like two, three weeks, but like, that was always the goal. You know what I mean? Like when I walked into the gym for the very first time and Steve asked me, what are my goals? It was to be healthy enough to be a professional wrestler with no weight number on that. No, nothing. Um, so we, so I've been tossing around the idea for like two weeks to finally pull the trigger on it. And I was kind of being a bitch about it. Like, you know, whatever. Um, and then Bull had like DM me when he came home, you know, like I had seen him at an event at a signing event and he had remembered me and we, you know, we, we were talking or whatever. And then he had DM me and, uh, he was just like, Hey brother, like, you know, um, Hey brother, like I am the, I'm the head trainer at NYWC, you know, if you're still looking to come down, like, you know, come give it a shot, whatever, I'll be here, whatever. So I was like, fuck. All right. Uh, Because I always told myself if one person was going to train me, it was going to be this dude because I connected with him. I wasn't going to have some guy with six pack abs who was like five foot nothing train me to be a professional wrestler. Like that was just not happening. Um, So I went down to the school. I signed up. I went and got what I needed to sign up. And then I was there. Like it was just like it was just like, (laughs) boom, here I am. And um, yeah, so I've been doing that. And, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic kind of you know, put a stop to it for the last year. And then um, I had torn my meniscus while training on my 25th birthday. So that kind of put me on the shelf for a little while, you know, um, having a tummy tuck kind of put me on the shelf for a little while. So I've only had like 10 or so matches, physical matches that I've been in. Um, But I've been a part of a lot of shows. Like I've cut promos, um, you know, I put together the ring um, and I really kind of taken a big position backstage 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of the day, like I want to be in front of the camera. I want to be in front in the ring doing the action. But at the end of the day, I also want to set up being able to know, you know, the ins and outs of wrestling as far as business goes, you know? So like, I want to be a booker, like we're not booker, man. Um, I want to like, you know, like I just want, I, I want to know everything. I want to know how to do everything. So, you know, that's what I've been doing. And, yeah, you know. and, and, and that kind of goes back to when you were, even when you said how you, when you did backyard wrestling when you were yes. a kid, like you liked the back, like the booking of it, right? Right. Instead so like, so the guy doing it. Exactly. Because there was a time where like Bill was training me and we were, we were running drills or whatever. And then like in the middle of drills, he like stops me and he's like, Arpino. And I'm just like, oh, what the hell could I have possibly done? Um, so he goes, come into the office with me. And like we had like a little makeshift office set up in this warehouse where we used to train. And I was like, oh, what the hell could I have done? Like, I'm about to get reamed out. Like, what the hell? So like we go in there, he slams the door closed. And then he goes, I'm just fucking with you. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he was just like, I just, you know, I didn't want anyone to just like think I was pulling you out of drills because I just wanted to pull you out of drills. And I was like, okay. I was like, so what's up? Am I, am I like not doing the drills? Right. He was like, no, you're doing great. Like you're progressing because I was really hard on myself. Like um, there's a lot more to wrestling than just learning how to take a bump or like throw a clothesline or learn how to give a suplex. Like when you start, like you do like forward rolls, like it's like gymnastics. Like you do forward rolls, you do back rolls, you know, you learn how to do all this stuff. And like, for like the first six months I was there, I couldn't do a forward roll to save my life. You know what I mean? Because I've never done anything like that forever. So I thought he was literally taking me into the office to cut me. Like, listen, kid, like this isn't working out. Like, whatever. We don't want to keep taking your money. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that really wasn't the case. It was more he was like, hey, listen, he was like, um, I see a lot of potential in you. He was like, I see a lot of potential of you in there. And he goes, the reason why I wanted to point this out in private is because I don't want you to think that I'm telling you not to become a professional wrestler because you absolutely should. He's like, you're doing great. You're progressing fine. Like everything's gonna be okay. But he was like, I really would like to start to teach you um, the background of everything, like the ins and outs of promoting. And like, I want to start taking you to different promotions with me. And I want you to start meeting and connecting with people and networking because I think that you'll have a big role backstage as well as in front of the camera. And I was just like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Like, yes, I, I, that's what I want. And, you know, ever since then, it's just like, I'm his shadow basically. And, you know, not like the old, like, Oh, that's the young boy. Like the first show that I ever went with him, you know, like I drove and we, we drove to Pennsylvania for a booking and we got out of the car and like, I went to go take his bags out of the car because that's what you do mm-hmm. you know like that's how i grew up like you're a young boy you're a greenhorn you take you take you take the vet stuff and you carry the bags forever mm-hmm. and he goes what are you doing and i go I'm, t- I'm taking your bags inside no the fuck you're not and he rips his bag out of my hand and he goes you are not taking my bags he goes you sh-. he goes you cut it out and i was like cut it out i was like what are you talking about I was like this is this is how you do it this is how you pay your dues brother like what are you talking about and he's just like, nope. He goes, you're not taking my bag. And I was like, okay. So then we get inside and he's like introducing me to everybody. And I think like Guido was on that show and like Patriot was on that show and like a bunch mm-hmm. of like whatever indie guys. And like, I'm shaking everybody's hand, but I was like, okay, well, I just don't want to be sitting in the corner here being the odd man out because nobody knows who I am, whatever. I was like, what can I do if I cannot, you know, carry your bags for you? He was like, go, go set up my merch table. I'm going to teach you how to sell merch. So I started selling his merch at shows and then learning how to set up a perfect merch table and just like, you know, stuff like that. And then, um, you know, at a couple of shows, people were so like, you know, wrestling, 
So like you ever been to like an indie show and like there's like those drunk people like they're oh, just yeah. outrageously drunk or just they're just like crackheads or whatever. Or every 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 Philly sporting event. Right. So yeah. So like and they're like total marks. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 selling merch for him and he's in the back. He's doing something. I think he's filming something. And I'm sitting at the merch table. And like obviously I have a beard. Bull has a beard. Bull has long hair. And Bull at the time, definitely Bull has like a buck fifty on me. Right. Mm-hmm. So this couple and their kid come up to me and they go, I loved you in NXT. <laughs> and I go, What? And they're just like, You like they should have never cut you. Like Bull Fit was like my favorite thing in the world. Like, you are amazing. Like Bull Dempsey was my favorite NXT guy ever. And they were like, So, like, what are you doing now? Like, are you gonna you trying to get back into WWE? Like, you're gonna go to Japan? And I'm just like, Okay, yeah, I'm Bull, I'm Bull Dempsey right now. Like, I, I'm literally selling the merch as Bull Dempsey. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, I got some plans. I'm going to, I'm planning, because he was planning on going to Japan at the time. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm setting up things. I'm going to go work for DDT in Japan for a little while. I'm going to go do like a six-month shot and I'm coming back, whatever. And then like, they're like, hey, can you like sign this picture? For-? Absolutely. So I'm signing autographs as Bull. Finally, Bull comes back. He goes, hey, what's going on? Whatever. I was like, I sold three autographs, two t-shirts and a magnet. And he, I was like, and everyone thinks that I'm you. And he goes, stop. And I was like, yep. And I hand him like 120 bucks. And he like, he takes out like 50 bucks, hands me 50 bucks. He goes, good going, kid. (laughs) And I was just like, (laughs) I guess I'm Bull Dempsey now. And literally it's happened in a lot of bookings that he takes. Yeah, they think I'm him for like no reason. So (laughs) it's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, yeah. So so, uh, pro wrestling, um, since you've had like matches. So what's your uh, finishing move? See, Brett, <laughs> when you start out in this business, you don't get a finishing move because you're expected to lose all the time. Okay. Um, but I have won like three matches and uh, I was using a spine buster, uh, okay, Arn cool. Anderson spine buster. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I had to ask because. Yeah. You know. uh, all right. So cool. We've talked pro wrestling on this show before and, you know, I, I always like it because it, it's nostalgic for me. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I don't like it. I don't watch it anymore, but the last two years or so. <clears throat> but it's just it's such a it's such an interesting thing because people take it. Some people they'll call it fake, and then some people take it like super serious, and then some people that are, and then you know people in it that you know because now with social media they play they kind of play both sides that uh, yeah. you know like almost against each other, <laughs> and and it, it's just a very interesting thing because it's like it's acting and it's sports and wrestling is the purest form of art ever. Yeah ever i don't care i don't care what anyone says it's art and entertainment at its finest everything that you love about a movie is pro wrestling everything that you love about sports is pro wrestling for example look at what uh who is it jake paul or is it logan paul who's about to fight uh, floyd mayweather uh logan logan paul's gonna fight so mayweather. so logan paul and, and floyd mayweather that's a wrestling match, folks. Like, I don't care what anyone says. It's all, it's a spectator sport. They release the rules. There's going to be no official winner and there's no knockouts. Okay. Like it's a wrestling match, folks, with boxers. And that's yeah. all it is. There's a storyline here. Like, uh, look at the UFC, the UFC. Ever since um, UFC 40, which was Tito, Tito Ortiz and uh, Ken Shamrock, you know, UFC was hemorrhaging cash at that time. Like, because there was nothing it was just guys fighting in a ring and nobody wants to see that as soon as tito and and ken started putting some like storyline behind what they were doing 
it was the biggest pay-per-view buyout ever for UFC and it saved the company. And then mm-hmm. four months later, um, what was their show at the time? Their version of Tough Enough. What was it called? Oh, the Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate Fighter came out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you look at Con- any Conor McGregor fight. There's a storyline in it. It's wrestling. They're working, folks. I mean, like, he's, bas- he's basically got a Ric Flair vibe going. Yeah. His promos that he does for for, for, for a real fight, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's it's definitely. All right. Cool. So kind of transitioning here to the end, I like to do this segment called Brett's Corner, but I guess today we'll call it Double T's Corner. Double T. You, 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 you did give me my only nickname ever because I never had one. That's a Double T, baby. Ain't he yeah. great? <laughs> Ain't he great? That's B-R-E-T. Ain't great? Double T. Ain't he great? <laughs> All right, so um, I always ask five questions, and they're different. So, so here you go. Okay. Uh, number one, what movie, TV show, or event are you most excited for in the coming year? Oh, Many Saints in Newark. I like yeah, it. The, yeah. the, the Sopranos movie that's supposed to come out. Prequel. Yeah, I'm currently on season five of Sopranos. Are so, you? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm slowly getting there. By the time that comes out on HBO in yeah. September, I'll be done. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I That one just kind of stuck out in my mind the most, actually. I've never been asked that. Awesome. Uh, number two, what are two non-health-related goals you have for the next year? For the next year? Yeah. Well, I'm getting married in 2022, so I hope that goes well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... <laughs> And uh, I'm supposed to get a, I mean, but I guess it's kind of health though. Like I'm supposed to get a revision on my tummy tuck. Um, so I, you know, that, okay. yeah. All right, cool. I just had a niece two days ago. I hope everything, you know, is good with her. Yeah. I hope so as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I've never been an uncle before. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I'm about like four days from becoming a dad. So that's yeah, even crazier that's for wild. me. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number three, if someone came to you say they're saying they were lacking motivation to stay consistent, what three pieces of advice would you give them? I think I kind of saw that question from you, but you know. Yeah, you definitely did. I was just like, wow. Huh. Um, three pieces of advice. Um, when lacking motiva- motivation. Um, find your why. You know, because that why is going to bring you to play every single day. Like, it's going to bring you to the game. Like, um, without a why and without a reason to keep fighting – there's no there that's literally it like there's no reason to keep doing this um that's number one find your why um number two would have to be find a really good support system um you know i preach accountability obviously i named my company after it but um you need that core group around you to keep you motivated you need like-minded individuals around you at all times with like-minded goals to keep you going one of my favorite Steve Harvey quotes of all time, well, one of my favorite quotes happens to be from Steve Harvey, excuse me, is if you hang out with dead people, you're going to die. So if you constantly hang out with people who their only goal is what we're doing this weekend, and it's not, I want to better my life in some way, shape, or form, and how am I going to do it? You're going to be stuck in that cycle forever. Like, mm-hmm. you need people who are pushing you and each other forward constantly. And number three, um, Start thinking of this this journey as, you know, you have your big picture, you know, you have your ultimate goal. You need to start breaking that down into bite-sized pieces. Um, you know, everyone's always worried about, you know, how to get from point A to point Z, but they forget about point A to B, point B to C, point C to D, and even like point A to point A1. 
you know, like, and that's something that I call the gains in between. Like, yeah, losing 250 pounds. That's awesome. Lose 10 pounds. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. think how awesome that's going to feel, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I can't wait to fit into like, so like, for example, I was the biggest I ever was was a size six XLT. Right. And constantly I was always like, Oh, I can't wait to be an XL. But like, think about going from a six XLT to a five XLT, you know, like that little bit was so much and it felt amazing. So start, worrying about the gains in between because the gains in between is really what's going to take you there yeah yeah for sure i like it uh because especially once you get past that like 4xlt then you can start buying stuff in normal stores right exactly exactly all right so question number four what have you discovered about yourself during your journey or transformation that surprised you the most hmm I was always like a people person. So I I really can't say that like growing up, everyone used to call me the mayor because I was just always like, I wanted to know what everyone was doing. Like I was just very into like, and I always used to hang out like the parents at parties. So I'm not going to say that, but um, I never knew I had this like really nice jawline or I could grow this beard. Same same here. Yeah. So like that was like really surprising. And I know that that sounds dumb, but like I always wanted to grow facial hair. And like no one in my family has facial hair. Like my, I have cousins that have facial hair, but like no one in my immediate family tree has facial mm-hmm. hair. And um, I would just always wanted to grow a beard just to see what it would look like. And then like, I could never grow facial hair when I was heavy. Like I would get little stubbles and I would get that, like the gross neck beard and my neck yeah. was like down here at the time. Um, you could tell by my turkey neck, but like, it was just so hard to grow a can one, a full beard and two, a connecting beard. Like it just looked like I, but sprinkles on my face every time like i tried to grow a beard so i guess that like i had no idea that my jawline would be like so nice and stuff i feel like that's a stupid one but yeah we'll go with that it, it works right and especially because yeah. like i know for me like i use this part right here on video right here it's even like kind of a little fate it's uh, yeah i always had trouble growing in there but i i it slowly happens once you start losing real estate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right so question number five if in, it's my favorite question by the way uh, if in 150 years science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about John? Uh, definitely be called The Gains In Between, mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt, which, you know, one day I plan on writing a book called The Gains In Between. But um, what would the blurb be about me? Mm-hmm. Six foot five, 260 pounds of pure, real deal sex appeal. Um... <laughs> no, 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 no twisted metal in there. He'll rip the bumper off a Cadillac, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He was uh, he was a good guy. He did some good things for some people. He loved people. Um, he just wanted to see people be the best version of themselves no matter what. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> it's going to say the motherfucking goat, all right? <laughs> well, we already know you're the goat in your own life, right? That's right. I'm on top of my world because I put myself there. Yeah, it, it's it's so it, the reason it's my favorite is because every answer is different. Yeah. And other other ones can have overlapping similarities, uh, but but none of nobody ever has the same one. So that's why I like it. You have a bonus uh, question? No, I don't have a bonus question. Some oh. people get a bonus questions. Some people don't. Uh, let's see. It's, so it's 
it's the opening weekend this weekend that this is releasing is the opening weekend of the nfl season wow yeah so what do you th- what, what, what how are you how are you thinking about the giants this uh, i don't know this season is really like shit or get off the pot for danny dimes like oh for sure you know and, and i'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna like get off the pot and leave new york i i think so too yeah like i really not have not been a supporter of him since we signed him yeah um and he's got the forever meme of him getting tackled by the eagles football field forever yeah yeah no it's just gonna last forever um he's like a carbon copy of like a of a lesser eli manning because i i loved eli mm-hmm. you know you could not love eli being from new york but um i don't know man like we gave this kid the weapons like we definitely gave him weapons so we'll see what happens if we win eight games i'll be really surprised but we'll see yeah i'm kind of yeah i mean it's it's put up or shut up time for him and yeah uh, i mean there was that rumor that aaron Rodgers really wants to come to new york so like i would love to see him do like a kurt warner situation and kind of take this kid under his wing but uh, it's not gonna happen i know it's not gonna happen yeah i I, every every town that just needs a quarterback is saying oh aaron Rodgers is coming here like uh, San Francisco also is like, oh, Aaron Rodgers can come here too because he's from San Francisco. And- yeah, but there was supposedly like a real life phone call. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I just can't see Aaron Rodgers in blue and white. Me neither. I'll puke. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it'll be an interesting season. Um, I, I think, you know, division's kind of Dallas is to lose at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it just depends how they play. Their defense is awful, though. So who knows? I think it's going to just be a battle of the Giants and the Eagles this season. As, as far as our division goes, I mean, that's what it mostly is anyway. For what? For first? Yeah. You don't think that you don't think Dallas will be there? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't like Prescott. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't know. He, he plays really well. Uh, I, I, He's I, I, very I, lucky. Can I just say that? Like, I know that we're on a big tangent here at the end of this podcast. And God bless you if you're still listening. But like. That man got injured on his franchise year. Like he was done. Like the money was gone. Totally yeah. career changing. And I really thought he was going to get let go. And then they were battling about how much money to give him. And he wanted all this money. And then Jerry Jones was like, "No, I'm not giving you all this money." And then they gave him the money. Like yeah, no. they literally gave him the money. So I, I was surprised they did because I think it's because they knew that they didn't know the Deshaun Watson thing if it was going to work out with how yeah. that would work out. I feel like he they would have went after Watson if it was more clear that he would play this year yes because you don't even know yet and i mean it's june so we don't know maybe by the time this comes out he is playing this weekend but you know who knows yeah yeah crazy um yeah hey i hope the eagles are good all right put in your super bowl prediction right now and we're gonna come back to this at the end my super bowl prediction for this year is um i'm gonna go jesus I don't know. Um, I don't think anybody in the East, Central. No one's going in the East. They might not even show up. North, no. South. I'm going to say it's going to be, I'm going to say it's going to be the Rams. I think the Rams beat the Bucks in the NFC Championship to go. And then uh, I I, I don't feel the Chiefs this year either. So... Well, let's say I'll, I'll, I'll go for my, my, my dad and my brother who are big fans. Steelers. Okay. I, I don't think they're that good either, but I'll go Steelers. Steelers, okay. Steel, Steelers, Rams, and then Rams take it. How about you? 
Uh, half of me wants to say that we're going to have a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know, man. Let's say I like your Rams pick. So let, let's say Rams, Kansas City. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Cause Rams, I mean, it's uh, Rams are also put up or shut up time for a lot of their yes. players. Cause yeah. I mean, I know they just got Stafford, but that whole system, if it doesn't produce soon, it's, I mean, they made this one Super Bowl, but they totally shut the bed. So, oh, yeah. That they won against Tennessee Titans. I remember that Super Bowl like it was yesterday. Oh, no. I meant the, um, the Rams Patriots. Oh, like two yeah. years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. 53, Super Bowl 53, where 13 to three. Like, what a boring, yes. especially after the Eagles Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. I remember that. So, yes. No, that, 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 that one was super horrendous. boring. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because so, they go in and you're, they're, like, they're like, you know, high powered offense and you're like, and they just got totally shut down. Shut down. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which kind of happened last year, the Chiefs as well. Yeah, uh, I hate Tom Brady, Chiefs. but he schooled the hell out of him. He did. All right, man. Well, it was great having you on. Uh, today. Oh, yeah, you too, and, bro. Uh, thanks, thanks for being here. <laughs> you're welcome. Do, do my best. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you on the internet? On the interwebs, you can find me at J-A-R-P-S underscore journey. That's my Instagram. That's where everything is going down. Um that's JRP Journey. You can follow the Accountable Life Group at Accountable Life Group on Instagram. You can join the Accountable Life Group by logging on to www.accountablelifegroup.com. And each and every Wednesday night, we have an absolutely free community call, and we'd love to hang out with you. We're having new members every week. And then I have uh, ALG Coaching because I'm just going to plug all my shit now, Brett. All right, take a step go back. Ahead. All right, you can go to www.algcoaching.com. Um, you can do group coaching or one-on-one with me and my partner, David. And then if you go on amazon.com, you can buy yourself the accountable life journal and that's on Amazon now. And I think really that's it. That's all I have to say. Um, don't turn your back on the wolf pack cause you might end up in a body bag. Um, and if you're not down with that, I got two words for you. Hi, Kenny. So, I was hoping it was, hi, Kenny. I guess I was going to hope it was three words and fly equals fly. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's never going to be that. Yeah. Uh, except you did say it once. I did. You did. I did. I did. And, 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 and then we totally screwed you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I want to thank everybody for listening or watching this episode all the way to the end. You made it. Congratulations. Make sure you check out the show notes for links to all of the stuff John just plugged because I don't think you can keep it all straight. And, and everything else we mentioned in the episode. Be sure to check out my website, becomingbrett.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becoming Brett and follow the show on Instagram at Becoming More Pod. Until next time, give us a five-star review or DM me why you didn't. And make sure you come back next week to learn how we can all become more. Mm-hmm.